Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. What you're about to hear was written, recorded, and produced prior to the unfathomably stupid, violent, terrible events that transpired at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. on Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. I'm recording this new introduction the weekend afterward, and while there's plenty of new information to be sifted from the chaos, as well as some well-deserved waves of arrests of armed insurrectionists that are ongoing, one thing is perfectly clear. QAnon was front and center among the poisonous strands of irrationality and disinformation that informed this disgusting repudiation of the social contract and the rule of law. Of the five people who fucking died on the back of this horse shit, the one who was shot by authorities was Ashley Babbitt, a proud QAnon supporter whose social media presence indicates that she believed the long-promised Q storm, that is, the day of reckoning when all would be put right by Trump and the cannibal baby-eating hordes would be rounded up in one mass arrest, was coming on the day that ended up being her last. So we're still going to present the show we made before this horror dawned. And we're still as sick and fucking tired of talking about QAnon as we were when we originally recorded it. But as you listen, keep in mind, the Q body count is growing, and we have no reason to suppose in the dawning post-Trump era that its adherents are suddenly going to see the light. Which is why it's absolutely vital that everyone who believes in rational discourse and shared objective reality educates him or herself on Q's ongoing metastasis, and that each of us stands ready and willing to talk to any of our friends or relatives in danger of falling into Q's clutches. As the interviewee in this episode can tell you, falling for Q can happen very quickly, and it can be an incredibly difficult paranoid strain to shake. Okay, enough prelude. Here's the show. I know there's supposed to be a clever intro skit to kick us off, folks, but frankly, I'm running out of ways to talk about how fucking crazy QAnon is. So instead, let's pretend there's a cool sketch here and then just dive straight into cataloging how these people are still getting fucking crazier, gaining influence, and ruining the entire concept of shared reality. Aw, Jez, you sound down. Yeah, kinda. Want me to cheer you up? I don't know how you can, but give it a shot. On January 20th, when Trump is no longer president, and yet there still hasn't been a storm of arrests of Democrats and celebrities, there's going to be a wave of QAnon cognitive dissonance so strong you might be able to physically feel it. You're right. That does cheer me up. Conspiracist cognitive dissonance is fearful Jesuit Scooby Snacks after all. Okay, I'm ready to do this show, but only because we've got a great interview with a fan and former QAnon adherent. Paranoid Strain Orchestra, hit it.
even the orchestra guys are tired. Welcome, one and all, to yet another goddamned quick hit show on QAnon. Don't stray. Quick hit. QAnon. Wait, we're seriously doing QAnon again? What did these shipper brains do now? Yeah, quick hit guy. We're sick of these dopes, too. But they have, in fact, put together yet another big pile of stupid since we last checked in on them, and so it is our duty, once again, to let our adoring fans know how this horseshit is metastasizing. Dana, remind us quickly of where we left this story, and synopsize what QAnon is for anyone who's just now joining us and has maybe been in a coma for the past four years. Well, if I must, QAnon is the evolving cult of devotees who believe that a cryptic poster on one of the worst message boards on the internet has very high real-world Q-level security clearance, and has used it to anonymously informed mouth breathers about how Trump is a secret genius who is working with other hidden good guys to bust an international pedophile slash child slavery slash cannibal ring involving basically all prominent Democrats, many celebrities, and various world and business leaders. All of the scandals of Trump's presidency, along with many other unrelated events, can be read into this worldview through continual reinterpretation of a constantly evolving, improvised set of unclear, arbitrary rules. That sums it up, and hopefully it goes some distance to explaining weird Facebook posts by your relatives and acquaintances over the past few years. But if you want more detail on the previous developments related to Q, we encourage you to look back at our other episodes, including both our second COVID episode— and our Quick Hit recap, as well as the dedicated QAnon Quick Hit from 2018. To kick things off as we once again try to catch up with the latest expressions of this ongoing insanity, let's start off with a great episode of another podcast that may have uncovered the actual real-world origins of both the original Q and perhaps even identified who stole the Q account from him and continues posting in his name to this day. Excellent Reply All was put onto this story by the person who created 8chan, the sewer of a message board where the original Q started out. We really, really recommend you give this a listen, because it helps to characterize the Q movement as, originally, a sort of message board LARP. That is live-action roleplay, which is a thing that some of you may recall from this internet-famous video. In the very beginning... QAnon sounded unremarkable. It was just one more lie being told by an anonymous liar on a message board that was full of them. Back then, a lot of people on HN were actually already doing a similar stunt. When I talked to that journalist, Dale Baran, he told me he'd spent a lot of time on HN. He wrote a book about it. The way he explained it to me, back in 2016, this was a game that people on the boards would play together. One person would LARP. They'd pretend to be some highly placed government official leaking secrets. Like, one guy claimed that Thomas Jefferson had actually been a foreign spy, and that while it was true that he'd written the Declaration of Independence, quote, he was brought into the process by American intelligence that knew he was a traitor and were working him all along. There was high-level Anon, FBI Anon, CIA Anon. There was White House Insider Anon. Like, they all had goofy names, and they were all doing the exact same role play. It's like they were having a costume party, but it sounds like in those early days everyone knew it was a costume party or no? Yeah, everyone knew. I mean, very few people, I think, were true believers. 
In October 2017, a user calling themselves QAnon, Q referring to their Q-level security clearance, posted their first message. It was a response to a different bullshit message someone else had posted where they'd claimed that Hillary Clinton would be arrested the following Monday. Actually, Q informed everybody, her extradition had already begun. According to Q's post, HRC extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged effective 10.30 at 12.01 a.m. Not only that, Q also said that anyone who didn't believe him should locate a local National Guards member and ask to see their deployment orders because the National Guard obviously had been tasked with bringing Clinton to justice. When the first Q drop appeared, you could tell the audience on the board wasn't actually buying it. But within 10 to 15 posts, it was just like the mood in the room had already started to change. You know, they're starting to get into the idea of Hillary Clinton being arrested and of like of John Podesta getting arrested. And, you know, you're never quite clear if they're just sort of like, here's a new game, we're going to start playing it. Or if they really think, yeah, he's going down. You're never 100% sure what's real and what's a goof in a place like this. While the conclusions the 8chan creator comes to about the people behind Q aren't airtight, they're pretty convincing. Anyway, we encourage you to check it out. Link in the show notes. Next up, we have a key example of how the QAnon movement can suddenly build one person's passing delusion into a major trope, only to seemingly abandon it soon afterward. This story surfaced in the summer of 2020 when one Twitter user, at 99freemind to be specific, somehow turned her perusal of the online furniture inventory of the site Wayfair into a full-blown pedophilia conspiracy. I feel surely there are some steps missing in that summary. I mean, I guess, but not many. So this Twitter user noticed the admittedly odd fact that some seemingly ordinary cabinets and other furniture offered for sale on the Wayfair site were listed for truly eye-popping prices. We're talking 20k for a cabinet, y'all. Right. Now, we, and I would like to think all of you listening, if we came upon this sort of oddity, would at most turn it into a marginally funny social media post. For example, must be where the U.S. government buys its official furniture. Or, that cabinet better contain $19,500. Exactly. Dad joke hilarity. What none of us would probably do, though, is build a conspiracy theory out of the fact that some of these seemingly overpriced items also feature fairly generic, if oddly spelled, English-language feminine names. For example, storage cabinets named Alasia and Allison with two S's. Furthermore, then, we wouldn't use that probably meaningless additional information to decide that these completely unrelated facts added up to one indisputable conclusion. That the very same pedophiles who are, at any second now, going to be rounded up by that suave, incorruptible superhero-slash-secret agent, soon-to-be-former President Trump, are also, in spite of their imminent peril, selling live underage children through one of the most public and often used furniture retail sites on the internet to cash in on those last few sweet ill-gotten child sex slave dollars before the plan is enacted and all of them are put on public trial and executed as Q has promised us. But you're saying that these people were, and this just seems impossible, wrong? Like, duh. As Wayfair explained, the pricing was due to a combination of factors. The most important was that some of their subcontractors, who build furniture designed to meet rigorous and specific laboratory standards, had not sufficiently explained those qualities in the product descriptions provided on the Wayfair website. And the second factor? Good old human errors that were pricing everyday home items like towels at prices in the thousands of dollars. But we're presuming that this did not convince the QAnon weirdos. Well, that's a real slow pitch across the middle of the plate, but the answer is no, not at all. 
Fortunately, in this case, no one tried to break into any Wayfair warehouses with an AK as we saw in the similarly baseless Pizzagate hysteria. Which is not to say that there wasn't some absolutely hysterical chest-beating from true believers. The most amusing version of this was covered by the Gannett newspaper site AZ Central, which reported on a Phoenix influencer couple who had purchased a $17,000 desk from Wayfair and then posted extensively on Instagram about how, though they had no intention of paying for this finely manufactured piece of industrial equipment, it was going to help them blow the lid off the whole conspiracy when, as they insisted was inevitable, Wayfair, instead of furniture, delivered to them an exploited child. How did this turn out? Well, we're not sure, as the original videos in which these brain geniuses detailed their plans have since been taken down. But AZ Central records this bit of flawless reasoning from the child defenders themselves. There is not one person in this world who can tell me that this is not true right now, Maddie Thompson said in a 40-minute live-streamed Instagram video on July 10th. This cannot be stated as false until it is proven false. I hope I'm hearing all of you longtime Straniacs out there objecting. But Maddie, you can't prove the negative, out loud, in some cases, disturbing those around you. And of course you're right. The proof she's asking for is, as is typically the case with conspiracists in general and QAnon in particular, impossible to achieve, because when Maddie makes a claim, the burden of proof is on her to defend it, not on us to prove it false. But even still, that's not the funniest thing about this story. The funniest thing concerns the Samia 5-shelf storage cabinet by WFX Utility listed on Wayfair at the bargain price of $12,899.99. Of course, Twitter users quickly connected this name to that of a missing 17-year-old from Ohio, pretty sure that incredibly well-researched conclusion may actually be incorrect. But, Jesuit, how can you be so certain? Well, I mean, there's very little evidence for the theory in general. And why would secret child sex slavers make it so easy to track their illicit transactions through a major highly public commercial site that the Internet's most gasping mouth-breathers would be able to figure it out? But in the case of Samia, there's an even better reason to doubt. And that's because Samia thinks it's a bunch of bullshit. That if it's really true or not. What are y'all talking about? Y'all all sound stupid talking about why am I mad? Because I'm not missing. Fuck out of here. Fuck. Let me go get a picture of you, bitch, and say you missing. And then put a little muffin. Yes, indeed. The missing teen herself, no longer so missing, but also confused and incensed at the bizarre stories that conspiracy theorists had built up around her, has little patience for this Wayfair conspiracy. Unless that video is a false flag. Put out by her kidnappers and she's still under their nefarious control. Uh, you heard that clip. Do you want to try to keep Samia kidnapped? I do not. Yeah. God have mercy on her imaginary abductors, because she won't. Next up, good old American politics, specifically the 2020 election in which we saw inevitably the first crop of Q-believing, or at least Q-curious, candidates. Thankfully, most of the yahoos who expressed pro-Q feelings were quickly weeded out in various primaries. But there's one who wasn't. And because she ran essentially unopposed, a Republican in a decidedly Republican district, there's a brand new representative for Northwest Georgia in the 117th Congress. And where she goes one, she goes all. President Trump tweeting congratulations today to QAnon conspiracy theorist Marjorie Taylor Greene after she won a seat in the House. The president calling Greene a, quote, future Republican star and a real winner. Now, Greene is known for some extreme and racist views. She's warned of a, quote, Islamic invasion. She did that after two Muslims won office. She has described black people as, quote, slaves to Democrats. At the time of this recording, of course, she is not yet in Congress, and therefore we expect the truly hilarious shit is still in the future. But based on her pre-congressional output, we're pretty sure it's going to be a fun ride. 
As NBC News reports, In a series of videos, Green complains of an Islamic invasion into government offices. Claims of black and Hispanic men are held back by gangs and dealing drugs and pushes an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that billionaire philanthropist George Soros, who is Jewish, collaborated with the Nazis. 2021 watch list faux show. What's next? Ah, the Jeffrey Epstein case. As I think we all know, Epstein was a sexual exploiter of women and girls who, after he was finally arrested after decades of getting away with horrific crimes, was found dead of apparent suicide in his jail cell. Yes, it is still an apparent suicide, even though there are legitimate questions and ongoing investigations. If it turns out the evidence shows that he got off by some richy rich with something to hide, then we'll call it an apparent homicide. But not until then. Anywho, we're not talking about that dead piece of shit, but rather the still-alive alleged piece of shit, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is accused of aiding and abetting Epstein's decades-long exploitation of the vulnerable. Why do we bring her up? First of all, in spite of the fact that she is alleged to have known many of the same people and secrets that supposedly led to Epstein's supposed murder, she is, as yet, still alive and in prison. So, if she has the same dirt on the wealthy and powerful that caused Epstein to be killed, then by that same token, shouldn't we expect whoever was behind the Epstein murder to be trying to kill Maxwell? And if they're not, does that lend credence to the idea that Epstein was, in fact, a suicide? In any case, that fact is worth considering. But of course, our conspiracy-loving friends are way ahead of us on this topic and have already solved the conundrum. How? They've decided that Maxwell is not safe in custody, but rather already dead. As you might expect, the reasoning is airtight. After she was arrested, her mugshot was never released. Rest in peace, Ghislaine. Or, and stay with me on this, the federal justice system doesn't release mugshots when inmates are taken into custody, unlike many state and local jurisdictions. Oh, yeah, that could be the reason, too. We're all just going to have to wait and see what, if anything, Maxwell says as her trial date approaches. Or, if she suddenly commits suicide under mysterious circumstances, then I'll ring the goddamn justified conspiracy alarm. Why? Why do we make it so loud? Okay, rounding the bases here, what else did we want to catch you up on? Oh yeah, looks like QAnon is about to become just as much a Dana Unicorn problem as it is a fearful Jesuit problem. And why exactly is that? Because amazingly enough, this dipshittery is catching on among Europeans. The fuck you say? Don't take my word yes. for it. Thousands rallied in Berlin against Germany's coronavirus measures over the weekend, including QAnon supporters. Most of them were just protesting against these coronavirus restrictions, but we also saw quite a few QAnon protesters. It was mostly peaceful. But at the end, there were some arrests made and people in the march did try to storm the German parliament, the Bundestag, which is only a couple minutes walk from where I am. They made it as far This outlandish scenario, clearly not based on facts, is the theory behind QAnon, one of the most bizarre conspiracy theories of modern times. It was born online in the United States and quickly crossed into the real world. It has gone global. It is taking Europe by storm, boosted by the COVID-19 pandemic. QAnon placards featuring the now famous Q symbol first appeared in Europe during demonstrations against the coronavirus restrictions. In Berlin, far-right extremists waved the QAnon banners and flags of the German Reich as they attempted to storm Germany's parliament. 
But how? With all due respect, this Q shit is some of the most American as American conspiracy nonsense I've ever seen. Again, no offense. No, none taken. It's a real cheese in the crust, all you can eat, open carry in church kind of stupid. It's so in your face, aggressively, Americanly dumb that I almost feel reflexively proud of it. Like, try as hard as you can, Frenchies, Germans, Belgians, Brits. There's no way you can outstupid this one. USA, 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 USA. If I can change, and you can change, we можете измениться. Finished? Yeah, I think I got that out of my system. Great. But my point is, how the fuck can these Europeans possibly embrace Q bullshit? I mean, Trump is one of the most widely loathed figures of modern times over here. He's known as a bore, an idiot, and an international embarrassment. How do they decide to agree with the Q-nuts that he's some sort of secret four-dimensional chess-playing, child-saving superhero? I'm not sure, really. Q does seem, from our vantage point in the U.S., so specific to our highly American, uniquely diseased political culture. But all I can say is, welcome, Dana. Hope you enjoy your new front row seat. Fuck. And that whirlwind review of Q's latest exploits leads us to the personal story of one Ian Rose, a paranoid strain listener and, until recently, a Q believer. Ian was kind enough to share his experience with us in the hopes that by learning the way he got in and, even more importantly, the way he got out, some of our listeners may be able to bridge the divide with their Q-believing friends and relatives and, hopefully, reclaim some of them for reality before they're too far gone. When I got involved in QAnon, my father wasn't aware. Uh, We sort of kept our distance. We don't usually talk politics, but I never mentioned any conspiracy theories to him. My aunt had a psychotic break with reality and passed away of a suicide a couple years ago. And I found out she was not really involved in QAnon, but talked a lot about government pedophile rings and the gold standard and things like that. And... I started looking into that, and then the stories of Epstein started out, and how how I got involved in QAnon was basically the Epstein stuff. That's where the whole thing started. What Jeffrey Epstein, uh, the story meant to me was my aunt was right all along, and that this was deeper than anything I'd ever imagined, and that holy holy shit, not only politicians were involved, but Hollywood as well. All these Hollywood figures that I never expected, like Oprah and Tom Hanks, people that I thought were perfectly nice people that suddenly I realized these may not be nice people at all. What being in QAnon meant to me was I was involved with two other men who I trust very implicitly. We were involved very highly in just uh, finding all out all this information. Yeah, that was sort of this whole brotherhood type of thing. Um, how I analyzed things, how I approached Q was working off of the ideas of others. Like I had no idea how to approach Q drops because basically they're gibberish. Like you can't tell hide nor tail of what's going on. It's the equivalent of the Greek oracle 
of ancient Greece. These girls would tell a bunch of gibberish and there'd be men who would translate for them. That's what people did with the Q-drops. And then we'd sort of try to find the understanding in between them. One of the projects we would work on was this underground war that was going on called Operation Disclosure that was based upon the work of a man called Homesteth. The story was that he was involved in the Pentagon Pedophile Task Force, and he talked about these hundreds of tunnels that were miles wide where hundreds of thousands of children were being born, raised, mutilated, and just basically butchered for this adrenochrome that came from children's blood that you would scare them to death they would take the adrenochrome and uh, ship it out to these various celebrities and the politicians to basically keep them young. Our contribution was basically spreaders of truth and sort of uh, prayer warriors. Like we would basically be praying and meditating. I'm a pretty volatile person. Like I would find out these supposedly horrible things are happening to children and I'd get really amped up thinking that these people ought to die for what they were doing to children. Basically, we're just spreading of the truth, combating pedophiles and keeping children safe. That was my main goal. How I began to doubt was the conspiracy theories involving Jews. That was always a warning flag for me because that's basically neo-Nazism. Many folks in QAnon believed in lizard people and that Mossad blew up the buildings at 9-11. That was the first inclination that I had that something was not right because my family's partly Jewish. One of the guys I started this with was Jewish, and he said, well, no, the Rothschilds are Jewish, but they're demons. To the listeners out there, QAnon is very good at playing to your specific fears, and they will twist that to their own ends. The sad thing is that people don't realize how much of a threat these people are to your mental well-being. These people almost dragged me into suicide and almost dragged me into hurting other people. QAnon doesn't worship Trump, but they look on him as a man with a plan and they expect him to save the world. I mean, please. The feeling I got around the so-called leaders like QAnon is that they need uh, antipsychotic meds. They're not getting the right mental help. How I would have approached dealing with a person who was in QAnon, I would try and get it into their heads that this movement is pure mental poison. I've heard of several cases where entire families will get destroyed because of one person involved in QAnon, and it nearly took me down, and and if that had happened, it would have destroyed my entire family. You need to show them how much you love them. Try not to get loud or abrasive. Just don't argue politics. Don't argue their beliefs. I think that's the most dangerous thing you can do.
Thanks so much, Ian, for sharing your story. Before we go, though, we did want to spare a moment to consider in the waning days of what will hopefully be the one and only Trump administration. Please, no one tell Donnie about Grover Cleveland and the two non-consecutive terms concept. We want to ask, is QAnon purely a Trumpian phenomenon, doomed to die out as his power recedes? Or is this conspiracy strong enough to recast itself for a post-Trump future? We'd really like to believe the former. But on the other hand, this story, from an episode of the excellent WNYC podcast on the media, makes us wonder. Sean Korn is a yoga teacher and influencer. Over the past several months, she began seeing a strange phenomenon pop up on her feed. I started to get directed to these pages that look like any wellness branding. Someone young, healthy, in the first frame, they were you know, modeling yoga. In the second frame, it was some delicious organic meal that they had cooked. And then there would be a slide, pastel, beautiful font, and it would say, COVID is a hoax. And from there, a torrent of conspiracies. She knew that the Great Awakening is a QAnon term of art. So is do your research. Where we go one, we go all. Calm before the storm. Save our children. All these terms can be found on the pages of Instagram influencers. And the reality is nothing as we know it is true. Yes, there is good in the world, but our world is being run by evil. If you aren't aware at this point that we are at the precipice of the dawning of the ages, like then I don't know what you're doing, but... Um, you're still asleep. I'm not here to promote Trump. I am literally following my gut because I know, I believe, I believe that something is going on. I have been digesting information. So Instagram influencers are peddling Q a nonsense. How did it take this long to come up with that pun? Can't rush genius, I suppose, but note a couple of things. This isn't really a Trump-centered story, and the influencers don't seem necessarily to be huge supporters of the lame duck president. Feels real good saying that. So that's maybe a sign that the conspiracy theory can exist apart from its original host. But more troubling by far is the implication that some of these folks may be spreading Q claims not due to a set of deeply held erroneous beliefs, but rather because Q content leads to those sweet, sweet clicks. What does QAnon potentially offer to somebody like that? If you are interested in building up your online presence, then QAnon is kind of like an online cheat code. Because the QAnon community, they will flock to any online influencers that repeat their narratives. So if you want to build up your following, then it actually might be a good idea to promote QAnon because it does that for you. Now, of course, the danger is that it promotes extremism and this can lead to dangerous situations and violence. But if you're just interested in pure page views, then it could be quite effective. Political scientist Joseph Uzinski says there's nothing in the QAnon ethos that's fundamentally about conservatism or the Republican Party. They're not talking tax policy or anything like that. So the doctrine itself isn't really about left-right politics. There are a lot of people in the Republican Party that QAnon wants hung for their crimes, too. I mean, they have misgivings about the entire establishment. And that's sort of why they're gravitating towards Trump, because Trump is an outsider. And many of the polls show equal numbers of Republicans and Democrats believe QAnon. All of which brings to mind a final thought, which we heard on yet another excellent podcast. Podcasts. If he wasn't producing his own, he would do nothing but listen to other people's. A few months back on Slate's The Gist, host Mike Pasca interviewed Clint Watts, a former FBI counterterrorism operative, about the Q phenomenon. 
Watts pointed out something that we previously hadn't noticed. Violent, but who's getting who's becoming rich off it? What's the what's the real motivation of whoever is pulling the levers of this thing? That's the most interesting thing to me about it is why waste your time on it, right? So I think for most sort of enthusiasts, it's just entertainment, right? And it makes them feel good. It's like a team, you know, whatever it is. But then I think at the original manipulator level, it was to mobilize people as a kind of a social movement, a populist movement. It was to sell crap. And that's what's been so fascinating about Q is it's right out of the gate was meant to sell like T-shirts and cups and, you know, patches meant and, to sell and, t-shirts and cups I, unbelievable. I mean it's, it's a merchandising a terrorist organization scheme yeah, yeah. the merch it's yeah, <laughs> merch based domestic terrorist organization well and then unbelievable you know it's interesting it's isn't it what if at the absolute most basic level QAnon was leveraged by its original acolytes to sell q emblazoned trinkets to believers it certainly makes a lot of sense any amoral grifter who saw the rubes lapping up this story would be hard-pressed to resist making a buck off of it so maybe q will survive trump but maybe it's also one of the purest expressions of the art of the grift that was embodied by the nearly former president. And therefore, perhaps, its future is more as a huckster's gambit and less as a paranoid strain. This has been the Paranoid Strain. We're not doing full credits this time because we just did them for our full-length politics feature. Hope you enjoyed it. And we also hope you dug that weird transmission from Planet Stupid Land that appeared in our feed a couple of weeks ago. God help us, we love those chads. We're now going to hunker down for the next couple of months, working on a spate of fresh content for 2021, all about secret societies. But don't worry, we've got plenty to entertain you in the meantime in the form of a seven-part archive presentation of our first reality show episode, originally released in 2019. Stay tuned. And remember, the world may be chaotic, but it's not out to get you. Or at least... Not you specifically.